check, 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 check the mic. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Greetings, salutations. Happy Wednesday. Three, hey, say happy Wednesday back. Yeah. Uh, what's the hardest you've ever run? It's the story of the day. Uh, so I talked to some of you. Uh, it's usually running from people or towards food. Or uh, my favorite answers have to do with camp relay races. Yes. Guys, if you went to camp this year and it was your first camp, it was awesome. It was really great. It was. But if you've never been part of the relay races in the past where you're like dying in the grass and you suddenly developed asthma and you didn't have asthma before, you don't even know what a relay race is like, okay? <laughs> it was awesome. Um, yes, welcome. All right, this is the time. This is the time. This is, uh, it's Wednesday. Do you know that it's Wednesday? Are you in the right place at the right time? All right, let me, let me uh, show you what this is going to look like, all right? If you're new, this is important to know, okay? Uh, right now, we're about to open this thing called the Bible. Mine's crusty. It's great. Uh, if you don't have one, there's one in front of you, black Bibles. Um, also, here's what we do during this time. You see these little guys? Oh, my baby's on the front screen. Oh, like a baby. Uh, hold your phone up. And then go like this. Put it down. Phone's on the floor. Bible in hand. I'm going to kick this out of my way. Uh, this is what we're going to do right now. We uh, believe that the God of the universe created us and has something to say to us. And so we are going to open our ears and open our Bibles, and we're going to jump right in, okay? Uh, we're going to be in Genesis. But first, the hardest you have ever run. I was looking up, like, stories, because I don't really have a run-for-your-life kind of story. I've luckily never totally been in danger from, like, anything. But I was uh, looking up, like, bear attacks. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not going to tell any of those stories. Those are There's one... I'll, I can't even. And then, oh man, okay. Nope, nope, not telling any bear stories. They were so bad. Uh, no, nah, I can't. I was like reading through half of them. I'm like, ugh, ugh. okay, that guy lost an arm. It's really terrible. Okay, uh, so none of that. But uh, I did grow up in a household with two older brothers. Okay, any of you have siblings? How many of you, your running away for your life story has to do with your sibling? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I grew up with two older brothers. Um, it was pretty intense in my house, uh, and uh, <laughs> all of us had this, we all had this threshold where suddenly we just go Hulk, okay? My maiden name is Huskisson. It's like Viking. There's also like some Scottish in there, and I'm telling you, when the redhead comes out, it's just like, it's the end of the world, right? So we all have this threshold, and we just would kind of like poke at each other, like pick at each other, and just, just to see how like high we can get each other angry until we explode. And my middle brother, uh, second oldest, he would get to a point where he would just see red, and we would, my older brother and I would look at each other and be like, run! Because <laughs> there's nothing we can do, because when he goes rage, we can't, like he is stronger than us, like he could sit on you and you would die. Like, we're just like, <gasps> I'm like, I can't outrun him, but I'm going to try, okay? And there was one time at the park, I don't even know what was happening. I don't even know why I ran most of the times, but I was a really annoying little sister. 
Um, and uh, I shouted some very terrible thing at my brother. I'm not going to repeat the word because it was so bad. And I just saw it. It's just like suddenly, it's, you know, like the old cartoons where like there's the bull and he suddenly like turns red and he's like smoking and you're just like, ah, right? So he does that. And I just go tearing across the park and like running up the slide out of the thing, run up on the roof. And I just perch on the roof until he like goes away. <laughs> and uh, luckily he didn't come after me. I think my older brother tackled him before he got to me, which was nice. Uh, so these are the moments I've had to run for my life, is running for my siblings. Um, but why do people run? To work out. You people are weird, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, people usually run uh, when they're trying to run away from something, right? Or, with, or if what they're running to is better than where they're at. Right? This is usually why people are running. Uh, they're trying to get to what's ahead, or they're trying to get away from something that's behind them. Uh, and today, we are going to see somebody who runs. Okay? We're going to see somebody who runs. And he is fast. Okay? Uh, he is running for his life. He is in a life or death situation. Uh, and so we're going to see why he runs today. Are you ready for today? I need you to like, uh, put on your imaginary buckle, your seatbelt. Click. Make the clicking noise. Uh, because this is going to be a wild ride of a Wednesday. Um, if you are new here, you're going to see some crazy interesting people, okay? Because uh, <laughs> we're going to dive in, and we're going to dive in deep today. All right. Uh, we left off last week. We started a new series called Dreams and Deliverance, and we were in Genesis chapter 37, all right? So open your Bibles. Uh, Genesis is the first book in your Bible, um, and uh, chapter 37, the big 37. Does anybody have the Black Bibles? Last week we were in 37. Today we're in 39. Yes. Yes, yes. If you have a black Bible, tell me the page number. 33? I'm used to like the hundreds. I forget we're in Genesis. 35? 33. Great. All right. If you're in the black Bible, turn to page 33. Here we go. All right. So this is where I'm going to do that like part in the show where it's like previously on blah, blah, blah. Right? So previously on Dreams and Deliverance, Joseph bad news, okay? Uh, so last week, we saw an unexpected start. There's this young man, his name is Joseph. He's young, he's spunky, and he's got dreams, man. And his dream that he had was that he was going to rule. Like, he's like, guys, I had this crazy dream. He's talking to his big older brothers. Older brothers. Uh, he's talking to his older brothers. He's like, guys, I had this dream. Like, all of y'all are going to bow down to me. Like, I'm going to rule. It's going to be awesome. And, and Joseph was like the favorite of his father. He got a really special jacket and everything. And his brothers hated him. I mean, talking about like Hulk rage status of like my siblings, like these guys went savage, okay? They're like, you know what? I hate him so much. I'm going to kill him literally going to kill him, right? And so they were going to go kill him. Luckily, older, oldest brothers, oldest siblings in here? Yes, yes. Typically, uh, the older sibling has the rationale, right? He, they're the smart ones, okay? So the, Reuben, the oldest, goes, you know what? Maybe let's not kill him, kill him, like kill him, kill him, but like let's just throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery until our daddy died. Ta-da! Problem solved, right? So this is where Joseph is left off. He's in a pit, and he, his garment, his robe got taken from him and covered in blood so that their father would be convinced that he's dead. And uh, the, end, the end sentence of chapter 37, it says, Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him to, in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. 
Meanwhile, here we go. We pick up this, this time in chapter 39, exactly where we left off. Exactly where we left off. You'll notice we skipped 38, which is significant, but I don't have time to get into it today. But ask me about it later. Uh, so, chapter 39, here we go. Here's where we left off. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, oh, yes, all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So he left all that he had. How many times have we said all that he had? Uh, into Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Joseph, the dreamer, is far from home, but he's not alone. He's far from home, but he is not alone. Uh, what's the farthest you've been from home? Quick, shout out some names. Places. Afghanistan, Danae. Disneyland? Who said Disneyland? Silly sauce. How many of you have been outside of the grand United States of America? Uh, how many of you have been off of this continent? Do you know what a continent is? Great. <laughs> uh, the farthest away I've been from home, uh, I graduated high school and I had an opportunity to go on a missions trip for three weeks. And we went to France and Hungary to work with refugees. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you know when you are not home by the bathroom you walk into, okay? Uh, American bathrooms are very different than the rest of the world, right? So I was like joking about making a travel guide about like bathrooms and how to use the bathrooms in different countries because they're all very different. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I remember we were, uh, I was in France and the bathrooms are always really tiny and they actually like in their house in French homes, um, the toilet is in a different room than the shower and the sink because they think it's gross to poo where you shower, which is really logical, actually. So we're weird. Um, so, but the toilet's in a totally different room. And literally, it's called the toilet. Like, you don't say, where's the bathroom? Because they're like, oh, the bathroom's there. And you go in there, and there's no toilet. And you're like, what? The toilet, it, you have to go to the toilet, okay? Um, so you just say, où est le toilet? And then you're like, oh, the toilet, great, awesome. Uh, so uh, I remember we were going to, it was the 4th of July, and we were Americans in France, so everyone hated us. But we decided to go up to Normandy, and to look at the, uh, the U.S., um, like, oh, the words leave me, like, it's a museum. It's like the, the beach. You get to go look at the beach and see the, the gosh, what am I, what's the word am I looking for? It's not a museum. Whatever. Where they, uh, got, where they stormed Normandy, right? And so we got to go up there and, and read through the history and all of that. But the, the French friends there, they were like, oh, you will love it. You will love it. It's so American. They have water fountains. I was like... What? <laughs> They're like, yes, they have water fountains. This is so American. You would love to go there. I'm like, okay, great. And then you show up and you're like, wow, this does feel like America. There is a water fountain right there. There's no water fountains like in other places of the world. Apparently that's another weird American thing. Also, no ice and drinks. Yes, I know. Ice and beverages. It's an American thing, I guess. Anyway, so I knew when I came home, when I walked into the airport and I went to the bathroom and the stall was like this big. And I was like, yes, America. Okay. Uh, 
But in other countries far away from home, things are totally different. And Joseph is in one of those situations. Look at your text. Look down. Look at how many times that it says Egypt. Okay? Now Joseph had been brought down to? It had brought down to? To Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, and? An Egyptian had brought him from the Ishmaelites. He brought him down there, and the Lord was with Joseph and became a successful man. He was in the house of the? Master. Verse 5. Uh, from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all he had, the Lord blessed thee? Egyptian's house. He's in Egypt, okay? The, the author is very clear. Joseph is far from home. And here's the thing. Egypt, long history in the Bible. Maybe you need to know where it is on a map, but mostly you need to know what's happening in this book, when Egypt. And anytime you hear Egypt, you should think, boo. Say boo. Boo. Okay. Joseph is a slave in Egypt. Wink, wink. Wait for Exodus, okay? Uh, it's no good. Okay, and Joseph is far from home. He's in a country where people don't speak his language. He's a slave there. They have a totally different culture, totally different food, and not to mention probably very different bathrooms. And he came from being the favorite of his household, the guy with the fancy cloak, from the blessed people of God, right? Like, he's like, bro, Isaac's my dad. Like, you know Isaac? It's kind of awesome. He's like, uh, no. Jacob, Jacob's my, my, my dad. Like, Isaac's my grandfather, Jacob's my dad. Like, you don't know these people? No. He is in a foreign land. He's been sold to the people of Ishmael, meaning he is far, far from the blessing. And it's like uh, Joseph is holding up his cell reception and being like, how far does the blessing go? Do I have reception out here? <laughs> like, how far does the blessing of God go? And we read in the text, the author is very clear. Look what it says, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Without a doubt, the Lord was with Joseph. Apparently the blessing the Lord followed him where he went. And not only that, but everything that Joseph touched was blessed. Like Joseph like, was in charge of something and it went awesome. So Potiphar's like, I'm gonna put you in charge of more things, right? Other people saw that Joseph was blessed. It says his master saw that the Lord, Yahweh, was with him. Now Potiphar's not a God-fearing man. Why would he care or know if the Lord was with him? Potiphar's name means uh, belonging to the sun, if you know anything about Egypt, they worship many little G gods, the sun being one of them, right? So he's a sun worshiper probably, or at least named after that. Like, but even he could see that there was something different about Joseph, that he was blessed. Potiphar saw the blessing that Joseph had, and he gave him more authority. And there are echoes of Joseph's dream here. Right? Joseph dreamed that he would be in charge, and that he would rule, and we get these little tastes of Joseph's dream because suddenly he's being put in charge of a household. He's being given responsibilities. And so here in this tiny situation, you think that he's taking a huge step back. He's in slavery, but the Lord has taken him to the gym. He says, okay, like I'm going to teach you what it means to be responsible. I'm going to teach you what it means to have integrity. I'm going to teach you what it looks like to be a good steward of the things that you've been given. He is making a man out of Joseph in a very tough situation. And he is beginning to create in Joseph the man who will, who will one day rule. But Joseph doesn't know this yet. And this is often like seasons of our life, Right? There are seasons in our life that things are not going the way we planned. You're like, this is a massive step back. Uh, plans totally fell through. I don't know what I'm doing. This is the worst thing ever. And yet we sit there and we ask ourselves, like, God, what are you doing? That's actually the right question. 
asks is, God, what are you doing in me? What could God be working in you in seasons of struggle? What could he be preparing you for in seasons of hardship and trial and struggle? And what is he making in you? The first thing we see about Joseph is that he's far from home, but he's not alone. And that struggle does not equal the absence of God. Struggle does not equal the absence of God. The author is very clear here. The Lord is with Joseph. It's repeated twice in this section. And yet, he's far, far from home. He is receiving his first test of character and integrity. But there's another one coming. Joseph's far from home. But he's not alone. The Lord is taking care of him. And he is about to face the test. He's about to be tested. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Second half of six. It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. Check this out. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Potiphar wasn't the only one that saw the blessing on Joseph. Potiphar's wife said, that man is blessedly handsome. Right? He was like, whoa, like, that man is a good-looking guy. And like the uh, original humans in the garden, right, Adam and Eve, Eve saw that the forbidden fruit was good. It was desirous. It was good to the eyes. And that first woman took the fruit. Potiphar's wife is looking at Joseph and saying, wow, he looks good. It looks like something that would satisfy me, and I want to take it. I want to take it like an object. And Joseph is vulnerable in this situation. Remember, he's a slave. Uh, Potiphar's wife is basically nobility. Uh, Joseph is a subordinate. She has power over him. And she can make or break his life right now. He has no say. He's a slave. He has no reason to deny her. In fact, did we mention? Wait, wait well, let's go back. Hold on. Uh, go back to verse 1. Joseph had been brought down to and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Do you know what the captain of the guard was in charge of? Executions. He is the head captain over executions. Joseph's life is in their hands. One false move off with your head. He is in that house, and Potiphar's wife has power over him. If he refuses, this woman could retaliate, and it could be a life or death situation for Joseph. What does he do? What does Joseph choose to do? He chooses to honor his master. His earthly master, yes. 
He says, dude, Potiphar's entrusted me with everything. And I want to be trustworthy. I want to be a good steward of what he's given me. I cannot do this. But, but look what he says. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against? What does it say? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against? God. Not Potiphar. God. Joseph is honoring his heavenly master. Joseph would be sinning against God. He displays what the Proverbs tells us is the fear of God. That he honors God. Here's the thing. Why could Joseph do this? Joseph is so convinced of the presence of God that he will not sin against God. He would not be with Potiphar's wife because he knew that God was with him. He chose to honor God and to trust his life to the Lord. He said, you know what? If I refuse this woman, she could kill me. But I'm going to obey God and trust him with my life. And so trust in God became Joseph's integrity. Trust in God became Joseph's integrity. But one day, but one day, you know, it's that moment in the movie where like, the main character is just walking along like it's a normal day. La, 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 la. And the music in the background changes, and you're like, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to jump out and stab him. Something's going to happen. Ah, there's going to be a scary person. Somebody's going to jump. Someone's going to jump. There's going to be a jump scene. I know it's going to happen. You know, you weren't watching those movies? That's what's happening. The music's changing. Verse 11, you can feel it's like, Wah. okay. <laughs> but one day, when he went into the house just to do his work, and music gets louder, None of the men in the house was there, in the house. She caught him by the garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Bro ran away naked. (laughs) What? What? He left his garment in her hand and got out of the house. Here's the thing. Temptation is a trap that comes when it's hardest to say no. Temptation is a trap that comes when it's hardest to say no. The trap was set. She'd been egging him on day after day after day after day. And so far, Joseph's been able to keep his integrity. But she comes after him, pestering him, wearing him down. And then she sets this trap and springs it when there's nobody around to say what was right or what was wrong. And in this story, we have two characters. And I, I need two characters. I literally need two characters. Some high schoolers. Give me, some, give me a high schooler. Should I pit the two brothers against each other? I see two Stefanski hands. <laughs> All right, James and Josh, come up here. <clears throat> come here, come here. Uh, come pick a stool. Come pick a stool. Ooh. Okay. Uh, one character. We have two characters here. You can take a seat. Take a seat. Uh, we have two characters here. And uh, one is a slave and one is free. <laughs> Younger brother problem. Sorry. <laughs> All right. One is a slave and one is free. Put this on. Put this on. Hang on to that for a second. All right, just stay up here. I'm going to talk about these characters for a second. One is a slave and one is free. 
right now, Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. Right? Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. In this situation, Joseph had every excuse in the book to give into this temptation. He's been alone for so long. He's been far from home. He's been alone. He has a really crappy family. Like, ugh, don't go to their Thanksgiving or Sabbath, whatever festival they have. And he has a really crappy family. He's been abandoned and forgotten by the people who care about him. He's been abused and treated like an object. And not only that, but he's been pestered day after day after day after day to, pest, to participate in sin. And now no one's around to know. Who's going to know? Who would even see? What does he have to lose? In fact, he has more to lose if he doesn't give into the sin because remember, she could turn on him and have him killed. But here's what Joseph believed. If I stay, I lose my integrity and I sin against God. He chooses to obey God and trusts him for the outcome. What does he do? What does Joseph do? It's a three-letter word. Run! (laughs) He runs! He runs! He runs! He runs! He doesn't try to explain. He doesn't try to talk his way out of it. He doesn't stay to see how this might turn out. She has a grip on his cloak, and he runs. He lets it go, and he runs. This is Genesis 4-7 when God says to Cain, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you but you must master it. And Joseph runs. He sees sin having a grip on his shirt and he runs. He cares nothing in this moment but to obey God. And he leaves his cloak. He leaves his reputation in her hands and he gets out of there. What is ahead is better than what's behind him and he takes off running. He is a slave, but he's actually, let's turn this around. He's actually the free one. He's free to live for God. Before we get to Potiphar's wife. <laughs> let, me, let me give you some applications. Some of you in here feel a little bit like Joseph. Sin is crouching at your door. It's, sin, it's standing at your doorstep. Temptation has been knocking It has a hold of your shirt, and you're moments away from being caught. Let's take a few lines from Joseph, and let me teach you how to run, okay? Number one, on how to run. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. If you want to be free from the grip of sin, run to the Lord. Joseph did not run away from sin because he's such a marvelous guy, because he's really fast, because he's been training for a half marathon, because he's been sprinting, because, no, he runs because the Lord was with him. That's the line we see repeated over and over again. The Lord was with him. Joseph could run from sin in the heat of temptation because the Lord was with him. So number one, remember the Lord. Number two, get accountability. It's easiest to give into temptation when there's no one around. It's easiest to give temptation when there's no one around. Here's a great rule of thumb. Don't be alone. Okay? <laughs> with another person. Don't be alone with that girl. Don't be alone with that guy in cars, couches, or chats. 
text messages. There's no reason for you to be in a one-on-one, constant text message conversation with someone you're interested in. Throw into a group chat, you're less likely to sin. Bring people into your relationships and conversations. Remember the Lord. Get accountability. Number three, set yourself up for success. How many of you are gamers, play video games? Anybody? Anybody gamers? All right. 25, 30% of the room might understand this metaphor. The rest of you, I'm going to explain, okay? Uh, I am not a gamer. I grew up watching games. Remember, older brother situation. Um, I can't play games because I legitimately freak out. So I'm like real too stressed to play games. Um, but I like watching games. I watch my brothers uh, play games all growing up. In fact, Joel thought he married a gem when he was about to play video games. I was like, oh, can I watch you? He's like, you want to watch me play video games? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. He's like, wow. Uh, so one of the first games I got to watch him play was Zelda Breath of the Wild. Anybody? Middle school boys, you're all on it. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. In, some of the, in games like this, uh, you have this thing called the stamina bar, right? Okay? And here's the stamina bar is any time that you have to run really fast or, like, jump off a cliff or, like, fly or, like, whatever you have to do that. It takes a lot of energy. You're, like, taking down your stamina bar, right? And then you have to wait for it to build back up and then you, like, do other things, okay? Uh, self-control is a stamina bar. Self-control is a stamina bar. And there will be moments in your life when you need the full power of the stamina bar. Joseph needed full power in this moment because she has a grip on his cloak, remember? Nobody's around. He could totally give into sin in this moment, and he needed the full power to go whoop and get out of there, right? So here's a pro tip. Don't tap your stamina bar for stupid things. Example, if you're not supposed to be eating dessert, get the cake out of your house. Because then you're tapping into your stamina bar to be like, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. Here's another dumb one. This is going to hurt. Get your phone out of your bed. Do not take it to your bed at night. Don't do it. You have no reason to have a phone in your room. Get a $5 alarm clock from Walmart. And say goodnight to your friends at 10 p.m. Whenever you go to bed. Okay. You do not need to be tapping your stamina bar like, oh, I'm not going to look at that. Oh, I'm not going to text him that. No, I don't want to go there. No, just don't even worry about it. Get it out of your room, and then you will not be tempted to text things you shouldn't, to say things you shouldn't, to look at things you shouldn't. Okay? Remember the Lord. Get accountability. Set yourself up for success. And then run! Number four. <laughs> run! Literally get out of there. Don't make excuses. Don't try to talk your way out of it. Don't assume, oh, they're actually a nice person. They're asking me to do dirty things, but mm, they're actually a nice person. Nope. Get in the car, put the gas, hit drive, get out of there. Don't think about what others would think about you or what you're leaving behind. Get out of there. Joseph was a slave, but he was free to righteousness. Potiphar's wife, seemingly free, super rich, really popular, Probably good looking too, okay? Here's the thing. (laughs) To Potiphar's wife, her God is her lust. She may be more powerful. She may be more rich. She may appear more free than Joseph, but she's a slave. She's a slave to her lust and her desires. Day by day by day, it plagues her. 
Sorry. (laughs) She sees something good and she thinks, ah, if I could just have it, I would feel better. If I could just be with him, I'd be satisfied. If I could just have it, she takes, she reaches to take Joseph like an item. And here's the thing. I'm not going to be naive. I'd like to think that all of us are Joseph's. Just great darling people just set up for temptation. But there are some of us in this room who are slaves to our lust. Convinced that if you could just see this, if you could just get that picture from them, if you could just do this with that one person, then you would feel better. You're treating that other human being like an object. You're pestering them, constantly texting them, asking them for things. And you're not sinning against just them. You're sinning against God. And your lust is your God. And to you, I have a few more things to add to our list on how to run. Number five. One of the most important ones. Spot the lie. Spot the lie. This will not satisfy you. You may get that picture and feel really great for 30 seconds. You may have that conversation and feel really great. You may look at that thing online and feel really great for a moment, but it will be salt in your mouth and you will constantly crave more and never be satisfied. And here's the thing. The world will tell you that if you throw off all sexual restraint, it is freedom. And here's the greatest lie of Satan. The world says that if you forget all of your sexual boundaries, you'll be free. Meanwhile, Satan is tightening a chain of iron around your neck. It is a lie. Spot it and step away from it. Lust is a bad God. Spot the lie and fear the Lord. Number six. Remember that all you do stands before the eyes of God Almighty. You sin against your brother and sister when you take advantage of them, but you ultimately sin against God. And then, last one on this list, prepare for your future. Most of us would probably say we want to be in a committed relationship. We want to have someone who loves us, who knows us, who cares for us. Call it marriage. (laughs) But here's the thing. What's the big deal of compromising now? What's the big deal of compromising now? Oh, we're going to get married someday, probably. I mean, I want to go to school first and stuff and things. But, like, we're probably going to get married. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we could do that thing. Or, like, you know, it's okay if I'm, like, sending them pictures. Like, it's totally fine. Uh, This woman, what's her name? Potiphar's wife. If you refuse to have boundaries now, what will stop you when you are married? Ask any married person in the room. Your sin doesn't get easier when you get married. It gets harder. It gets harder. It's important to not compromise now. Prepare for your future. So, you guys can... Okay, take your signs off. <laughs> take your seat. Give them a plan, a hand, a round of applause. And that hot seat.
here's the thing. Is this really a big deal? You say, Courtney, you're coming in hot. This is heavy. This is hard. This is really a big deal. And I say, run for your life. It's life or death. Again, Joseph reflects what Proverbs 5 tells us. Proverbs 5 tells us the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. She tastes really good. But her feet go down to death. Sin tastes good for a moment, but it leads to death. Run for your life. Run for your life. My brothers and sisters, I have done youth ministry for 12 years. And that's not as much as some people in this room. Some of you, it's the amount of years you've been alive. So there's that. And I'll tell you from my own experience and from youth ministry here, I have seen story after story after story of people who didn't treat sexual sin like a life or death situation. And I have heard heartbreaking stories of girls who have been forcibly taken advantage of because they were not protecting themselves. I've heard many stories of young men who have gave it all to be left alone. And I have seen a generation of young people completely sapped of life and handicapped because of pornography. It is a lie. And it is a life or death situation. I tell you, run for your life. Joseph trusted in the Lord because he trusts in the Lord. He flees the trap of temptation. Run like Joseph. Run with the Lord. So let's see what happens next in our story, right? Joseph's faithful. He obeys. Is he rewarded? Verse 13. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, this is it, this is the one we've been waiting for. See, he, Potiphar, has brought this Hebrew at us to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Then she laid up her garment beside herself until her master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in... Where is he? Okay, just in case you weren't wondering, they put him in prison to the place where the king's... And there he was in... Shouldn't he be dead? Whoa. Whoa. Just in case it wasn't clear about where Joseph was, he's in prison. Uh, it's clear that Potiphar saw through his wife's lie. He's, he knew Joseph was trustworthy. Obviously, their marriage is kind of in shambles. But the punishment should have been death, but he instead was sent to prison. His reward for righteousness was punishment, but the story doesn't end here. Let's f- close our last few verses here. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the, and and the the keeper of the, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Where is Joseph? Yeah, great. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. See, Joseph 
ends where he begins. He was far from home, but not alone. And his trust allowed him to flee the trap of temptation. And here again, we find that the faithful is still not forgotten. The Lord still has not left Joseph, but rather he has shown him steadfast love. And once again, we see the echoes of blessing come upon him. The Lord is present and purposeful in the plot twist. The Lord did not once leave Joseph. God is present with him and is working out his purpose here. In fact, from the outside, it would seem that Joseph is farther from his dream than he's ever been. Right? It's like he took a small step forward in Potiphar's house, got some authority, and then wham, back in the pit again. But the Lord is actually setting him up exactly where he needs to be. Stay tuned for next week. And so I ask you this question as we close. Where are you today? Where are you today? Do you feel far from home, alone, and neglected by the people who are meant to care for you? Are you in the middle of the struggle? Are you in the middle of the temptation? Are you in the middle of the trap, surrounded day by day by traps and temptations and people who are begging you to sin? Or are you at the lowest point you've ever been in your life? Maybe even suffering from making the right decision. Where are you today? Here's what makes the difference. It's not actually about where you're at. It's who you're with. It's who is with you. Run to the one who is with you. And who is with you? It's Christ. Christ is the one who is with you. In your connect groups, you're going to get these, uh, these verses here. But I want to, I want to uh, show you who is with you. Because this, uh, this one's heavy, right? This text is heavy. But here's the one who is with you. One, Christ is the one who is with you. The opening of Matthew's gospel says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then it closes with Jesus saying, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And not only is he the one who is with you, but he's the one who has defeated sin and death. He says, the sting of death is sin, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Not only that, but God forgives you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ has also come to set you free. You were once slaves of sin and have become obedient from the heart. Having been set free from sin, you have become slaves to righteousness. Now the spirit of, now the spirit, if the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit against the yoke of slavery. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Man. We can run to Christ who saves our life. Whichever character you find yourself being today, are you Joseph, stuck in the trap of temptation, not sure what to do? Are you Potiphar's wife, who's a slave to her lust? Christ has come to set you free. Run to him. Run to Christ who has saved your life. Here's the thing. The world is going to tell you you're a disgusting teenager. You're going to do dirty things. You're going to do nasty things. You're probably all going to have sex before you get married. Like, it's just the way it is. Just give into it. The spirit of God is in you. 
You do not have to give into sin. The spirit lives in you and he is greater in you than he is in the world. He will shut the lies of the enemy up and he will empower you. Take these verses home and read them. Say to your sin, I have been set free in the name of Christ and I will not participate. I am not a slave. This is the power of Christ in us. And I tell you, student, run, run, run to Christ who has saved your life. It is a life or death situation. And I implore you to run. Tonight we're going to sing about the freedom of God. And if you have been set free, I better hear you sing, okay? (laughs) Let me pray for us. And then we're going to sing. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Oh, God, we thank you that it hits the real stuff of life. God, as we look into this mirror of your word and we see it reflecting back to us and we don't like the sin that we see in there, we don't like the sin that we see in our face, God, we thank you that when we look into scripture, we also see the beauty of Christ, the one who was with us, the one who bore our sin, that took the death that our sin deserved, that while Joseph made it out with his life, Christ died for our sin. And God, yet you raised him from the grave. You gave him new life that we might find freedom in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, would you set them free from the trap of sin? Would you set them free from that which holds them down? Would you set them free from that which entangles them? And by your spirit, God, would you set them free to righteousness, to live for you, Lord? God, we thank you that your spirit sets us free. We thank you that Jesus died for our sin. And God, we thank you that you've made it possible for us to be a part of your family. Lord, we love you. We give you our whole selves. And God, we we trust you. Even when we don't know the outcome, we will run to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I want you to stand, okay? I want you to stand.